Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to another episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. Week 7, Giants Commanders, J.P. Finley here to dissect it. First, want to tell you about Bet Online. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips. With BetOnline's real-time updates on stats, news, and odds, we have everything you need to stay up on speed on your LLCS bets all the way through to the World Series. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And where we start, like I said, special guest, friend of the show, J.P. Finley, NBC4 Sports, 106.7. The fan does a great job covering the NFL and the commanders. J.P., welcome, man. What's up, Pat? Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, no, you got it. Uh, we're coming fresh off a tie last year and also a game that ended in the end zone with people tackling each other with the ball in the air. So uh should, should be a fun one. <laughs> and two of them in three weeks. I mean, that, that was such a bizarre scheduling quirk. It really was. I, I I honestly, until I was going back and looking at the box scores coming into this week, I didn't even remember how odd that was that they played twice in three weeks. So strange, especially when it has so much impact on what's happening in the division. Uh, well, but the Giants had somebody else in between, right? The Commanders just had their bye. So they played the Giants twice in a row. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So strange. Like, no, no yeah. you don't have to scout anybody else. <laughs> right. Um. So I want to call this the Nick Gates episode, even though we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But um, Nick Gates, I saw his interview in the locker room, you and others talking to him this week in, at Washington, and he was talking about how it's just another game. I wanted to start by asking you, do you think that's true, knowing Nick? I, I don't know. Honestly, you probably know him better than I do at this point, right? Like you covered him for years. I've, I've covered him now for six months and really, you know, training camp to now is when you're really with guys every day. Um, he's such an emotional kind of like fiery fella that I think it is another game for him until he gets to MetLife Sunday and maybe even Saturday night when they get to the hotel or whatever. Um, <laughs> because I mean, he seemed, he seems like a pretty honest guy and, and we asked him, you know, have you talked to your teammates at all? He's like, not really, just the occasional, like, you know, I, I know Leonard likes this move kind of thing. Um, I asked him about Dexter Lawrence. He said what a good player he is right. and, you know, excited to go up against him. He's like, we went up against each other in practice, but it's not exactly the same as a game. Um, <clears throat> he, he was open that he and, you know, Danny Dimes are, are close friends and he wishes he was healthy, he just never wants anybody to be hurt. Um I don't know, dude. I, I, he seems like he's got it all under control, and it's kind of like this is a business, and I'm here now, and I used to be there. But I could see that change in Sunday. How's he playing? The strength of the commander's old line is their interior. I, I think their two best linemen are Sadiq Charles at left guard and Sam Cosme at right guard, um, and then probably Gates. Like the, the interior of that line has been – pretty good all three of those guys are, are pretty athletic and when they go to their screen game it's pretty effective because those guys can get downfield um mm -hmm. the tackles in straight up pass pro have been eh. um <laughs> it, 
the right tackle, Andrew Wiley's had a relative rough start to the season. Charles Leno's a vet. Missed the last game with some family stuff. But um, I wouldn't say anybody's been great. I, you know, Gates has not been great. He gives them a pre- – like, you know the presence he brings and, like, the the nastiness and, yeah. you know, kind of the, the willingness to S-talk a little bit, like those sorts of things. And they need that because they're not that type of bunch. Um but you know he's been okay. They're five hundred. He's been about five hundred. <laughs> That's fair. You like his uh, belly out uh, practice look with the jersey? It's up? a look. It is <laughs> <laughs> the long hair, the belly. Um, it, it, he's a unique individual for it's sure. Like, yeah, it's like the caveman, you know, right. practice look. Totally. You know, um, we, what value has he brought? Have you seen off the field? I mean, you reference kind of his uh, his energy. Do you, you know, you're in the locker room there. Do you see uh, an impact he makes leadership wise or locker room wise at all? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Cosme and Charles are younger guys mm. um, and their lockers are all right there together. And, and Cosme's a talker, but like doesn't think he is kind of, if that makes sense. Like he's always like, why do you guys want to talk to me again? And we're like, dude, you're a starter and have been for three years. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas Sadiq's a little quieter, but when he does talk, it's usually pretty funny. I, it's tough because the O line is pretty much really likable, nice guys. Mm. Um, their performance has been probably middling to good, somewhere in there. Sounds um, like you're being friendly. No, I well, dude, I don't know, like. The unique part of being beat reporters is that we like surround ourselves in, in our own little bubble, right? And, and the bubble down here, the, the, the big talk in Washington are the sacks. Um, they're leading the NFL with Sam Howell's taking 34 sacks. Yeah. And so it's easy to pile on the O line. It's just a lot of this stuff isn't their fault. So I'm not mm. trying to be friendly. I'm just trying to be like realistic. You've got a team that has largely been behind in games. Uh huh. A new play caller that really doesn't care about running the ball. He's made that kind of apparent. Um, <laughs> Andy and, Reid and light. Andy Reid light. I know. And, and a quarterback that hangs on to the ball too long. So, like, when you combine all those things, the old line's kind of – they're kind of swimming upstream a little bit. Like, all right, well, we're not establishing the run. We're usually mm. trailing by double digits. And our young quarterback – likes to chill in the pocket for eight seconds. So it's just kind of a tough recipe that I think they're probably outperforming, though like there huh. aren't necessarily metrics to back it up. So the play calling is not protecting them. So wait, let me ask you this. I, this wasn't uh, something I planned to ask, but as you're talking, you and I both know that Ron Rivera likes to run the ball and control the game and shorten yeah. the game. So how's that going? It's interesting, dude, because Ron – when Scott Turner was calling the plays and, and like, this is documented. Like we know this happened last year. Ron eventually went to him and was like, yo, run the ball a lot more. And Scott, younger guy, this was his first chance at OC, et cetera. Yeah. Scott did it. Right. And right. the results were at times good at times, fairly disappointing. Um, Ron's not doing that to be enemy. And if he does be enemy ain't listening. So it's like, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's a different situation. And I think, Coming into the year, he all parties understood that, right? Like Ron hired this guy because he needed an offensive reboot. Needed he he said it. He's like, I had to get out of kind of my comfort zone. Um, and in mm. their wins, it's been much more balanced. 
Um, uh-huh. And dude, a lot of it is indicative of the defense, right? Like the the Bears game is by far the low point of the season. Um, they gave up 40 to the Bears at home. I mean, that's just awful. That was um, bad. Yeah. Dude, he called 55 straight pass plays. They didn't run the ball once in the second half of that game. What? Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're, they were down 27 to three at halftime. So I, I get you got to get back in the game, but mix a draw up or something like give those linemen a, a chance. And oh, wow. Um, and he was, EB was totally unapologetic about it. He was like, yeah, I think Andy Reid would be proud of me. It was, uh, it was, it was interesting. Is there any carryover from the what was that in training camp? There were kind of the leaks out of how Bienemy was handling things, talking to people. You know, clearly he was rubbing some people, maybe Rivera, the, the wrong way. I think Ron actually slipped and said something in a presser. Like, is there has there been any negative carryover of that, or is the, are the things that you're talking about now kind of this decision about how the game's called? You said like he wouldn't listen if he told him like. Is it kind of like an undercurrent at this point that's not like out in the open, but is still there? That's also my interpretation is that he wouldn't listen if Ron told him that. I don't know that, right? Um, no, I get I it. Yeah. Think the the training camp. I just want to say that before I get aggregated and somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I think. Pinning you, the, pinning you down on breaking news here, JJ. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the, the training camp thing. I think got overblown. I think Ron said a little bit more than he wanted to. I think it was, dude, you've seen this before, like a veteran coming off the field, like, damn coach, we ran a lot today. You got to give us a break tomorrow. It's not the same as like someone actually complaining about the tempo of practice, you know? Got it. And and I think, I think the truth of that was probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I don't know if there's an undercurrent. I, I know that dude, not just the linemen, but the skill position guys. If you're a wide out and you, you you have to run routes on 55 straight plays, like how are your legs? You know? And um Yeah, that's the that's yeah. guy that's somebody playing Madden, right? It's not right. there have been a couple of on record comments about um Charles Leno, their left tackle, they're down 20 in the closing minutes to the Bears and still dropping back out of shotgun, you know, trying to – this is like 90, 80 seconds left in the game. And mm-hmm. it was like, you know, you know, our young quarterback's taking all these hits. Like, what are we doing? He, I, I don't have the quote on me, but the, there's been some moments where it's like, what what is the point of this? Like – yeah. Um, Late, I mean, they got drubbed by the Bills late in that Bills game. It's like, yeah, you can just run the ball and get out of here. That's interesting. Yeah. They're still, they're clearly still evolving kind of as a unit, especially oh, on yeah. offense. Last thing I wanted to ask you about Nick, um, you know, because as I was preparing for this interview and for this week, I, you know, I searched Nick's name. I'm looking out there for what's been going on. And man, he is getting killed this week by, uh, by fans. And I thought it was very interesting because now, like you said, he's playing 500. So some good, some bad, but I find it interesting because here in New York, the giants badly miss a player like him. And so, yeah, maybe right. But when he was in New York, he was a starter slash, you know, you know, guard replacement. Sometimes he'd be a backup. Sometimes he'd start that kind of thing. In, In Washington, he gets the contract. 
So now you step to the forefront, you're starting, you have the ball in your hands every play. So I know, you know, the expectations are a little different, but I find it very interesting that these two fan bases see him so differently at the exact same time. It's like the Giants fans would give anything to have Nick playing anywhere on their line tomorrow. Yeah, but is that because of all the injuries? Uh, would they have said that in August, like before everybody got hurt? I think that I think that people did not want to see him go for okay. for two reasons. One, you knew that if he like like I said, like if he wasn't starting, but someone got hurt and he came in, you knew you were going to get capable play. It yeah. wasn't about oh, here comes a pro bowler who should be on the field. It was just about you're going to get capable play. The other thing, JP, and you hit on this a little bit earlier, is like the Giants and Feliciano is another guy who listen, not a world beater like all pro. But Nick and Feliciano are dogs, right? Yeah. And they are guys who set a tone. And they're also kind of glue guys. And the Giants, until Pew signed, they didn't have one because right. they let their two of them go out of the building. And right. so that's kind of it, – it, that's the full picture of it, right? Um, yeah. But, that, you know, I find it interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally see that. And I think – especially if you're searching Twitter, which is just – such a cesspool of negativity. <laughs> um, he had, I wonder, I, I, probably the Bears game. There was one snap that kind of went viral among Commanders fans where Gates just got beat off the snap inside. He, I want to say to his left um, and gave up a quick sack and the clip goes viral. And it's just, it's so unfair to those guys because what he run 70 snaps in that game or something. And it's one yeah. that he got beat on. And then everybody's like, Oh my God, this guy sucks. And they're not correct. Um, but on that play, he sucked, but it's one out of 70 or 75. Um, so if it was specific to that, I could see that. I don't think there's also like, it's been so long since there's been a quarterback to believe in down here. Um, mm. I mean, even, I mean, Wentz was terrible. Fitz got hurt and was terrible and is just kind of propped up because people think his beard is cool. Um, Alex breaks his leg. RIP to Haskins, but that thing never worked. Like you, like here, you kind of have to go back to Kirk. And Kirk was like this oddly polarizing thing because DC's just a polarizing place, I suppose. And then Robert, who got hurt. Like it's just been so long. Mm. And then Howell is so likable and the story is great fifth rounder big arm nobody sees what i see and so I, I think there's a lot of people that are just so all in on sam that anything that isn't good they're just blaming on the line mm, and, and nick is it. probably nick's probably like the most vocal like he's kind of like you said like the leader the glue guy so maybe there's some of that it's incorrect certainly um but that doesn't stop it from happening very interesting. I, I look forward to a Nick Gates fight with somebody wearing oh, a Giants jersey on Sunday. So you mentioned the quarterback. I, I will say, you know, and you were telling me this and some other people in like in mid-August about there was more to this kid than I and I think a lot of people not around him thought going into the year. But you mentioned about how some of the sacks are related to him holding on to the ball. And I saw a stat this morning that when he has been outside the tackle box, this is next gen stats. He has 16 completions and 15 sacks. And so I wanted to ask you, based on that stat, JP, is he just not throwing the ball away? Like, 
are a lot of these sacks just the play is over and he won't abandon it because he's trying to make a play until the end? Is that what's happening? Yes. Okay. Yes. And <laughs> the the biggest question here is, is that something he can evolve out of? Because he checks a lot of boxes, man. There's a lot there that you're like, wow, they, they might have found something here. But it, it's – it's twofold. One, what the sacks do to the offense. I mean, the drives stall out, you know, you end up, you, you go from second and six to third and 13. Now you're out of field goal range. You know what I mean? Um, so there's like what that actually does to the offense and to the structure and the game flow. Then there's also what's going to happen to this kid. He um, last year, a lot of people said Joe Burrow takes too many sacks. He's too good of a player. He's going to get beat up. Right. Burrow finished last year with 41 sacks taken. Howell through six games is at 34. Oh, my goodness. Dude, think about DJ. Daniel Jones already missed a game, right? And at least when he missed that game, he was second in the league in sacks taken, I think, with 29. Yep. And, and I think that's a little bit on him, but, I mean, that your offensive line situation up there is a show. Yeah. Um, so Jones is at 29 and is missing time because he got beat up. Justin Fields was right after him at 28, I want to say, and he's missing time because he got beat up. Like the the sycophants down here will be like, oh, well, Sam's built different and he was a runner in college. My counter to that is that at some point it doesn't matter. It's it's too much. Um, mm. So you've got like the injury concern or, or at least the missing time concern and then what it does offensively. And for all the good, this is the flip side. And if it – if it can evolve and he can develop and he can get that faster clock in his head, they've really got something. But I, I think it's a lot of people want to say when he does that, I, I think it might be if he d can do that. Wow. It really does sound like, as you kind of started out saying, it sounds like at some point Washington's going to have to adjust their offensive game plan and play calling to account for protecting their quarterback and also just helping a rookie quarterback make that adjustment. You know, I know it's a different team, different year, but I always think about Washington because obviously the Giants, they can't beat anybody, but they do beat Washington a fair amount. And I remember the game against the Eagles that Washington went into the Lincoln one last year with Heineke at quarterback. And the recipe was running the ball, taking, you know, calculated pass plays and shots but it was controlling the clock. It was winning time of possession and it was just playing physical on defense, not perfectly, but just physical. And I know that's like old school Ron Rivera football that doesn't always work, but I just can't help but listen to you and hear that that's what is needed here. That's what, it, I mean, that's what I'm hearing. I, I think balance would help them. I think Howell dropping back 30 times instead of 50 times would help him. Fair enough. All right. So you put a tweet out. I, I was, I had to admit, I was cracking up. Uh, it's the freeze frame from the last game, the second game <laughs> they played last year. It's Curtis Samuel beat it, being embraced, let's say, by Darnay Holmes <laughs> in the end zone. And you posted this because John Hussey and the referee crew, the same officiating crew that refereed that colossal disaster of a game, is on this game this Sunday. JP. What was your and what has just kind of everyone's reaction down there been about this? How? <laughs> I mean, how many games are there this weekend? Probably 12, 10. I don't so, know how many buys there are. Yeah, it sounds but right. Just how do you assign that crew to this game again? 
I'm, that didn't cost Washington the game. I, I understand there's a lot of plays throughout a 60-minute contest, but it's just bizarre. And I kind of don't mind. My guess is that my tweet might have been seen by a couple folks on Park Avenue, and I kind of don't care because that just doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Yeah. Hey, listen, it should be seen by the people on Park Avenue because it also – you know, listen, referees are human and they could be walking in right. here remembering that last year they made a colossal mistake that might right. have cost another team the game. So does that affect it? Right. I'll just never forget in the locker room down there after the game, Darnay, you know, it was like he knew that he had done something, but it didn't get called. And so, you know, as a proud athlete, I really like Darnay too. And it, as a proud athlete, he's standing there like he was ready to talk for an hour about, you know, the big pass break up in the end zone, right? Because right. that's what it ended up being ruled. But um, I thought that was funny that you pointed that out and I share your skepticism of that decision. All right. Um, lastly, I know you got places to go, people to see. Dude, what I, did, what'd you say? I got to go. I'm on the air. I'm about on the air. You're on the air. Look at this guy. He's <laughs> Hey, JP, you're the best. Thanks for joining us here on Talk It was great. All. Anytime. Well, you're coming on with me in an hour. So thank you. Look forward to it. Take care. Right. Thanks, buddy. All right, that was J.P. Finley of NBC4 Sports and 106.7, the fan. A busy man. He had to jump right onto the radio, was good enough to give us about 20 to 25 minutes of his time downloading on Nick Gates and the Washington Commanders and a game that, frankly, is a must-win for the 1-5 in five Giants. Before we get out of here, I wanted to send a message to the Giants fans and explain something that I have noticed on social media coming out of the Buffalo Bills loss, the 14-9 loss at Orchard Park, New York, which was a gut punch for the Giants, but also proof to them, I think, that they could play at least a competitive game and almost beat a pretty good team. And that message is this. I cannot believe how quickly the Giants fan base has bailed on Daniel Jones after him missing that Buffalo game and watching Tyrod Taylor in that game. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that in the summer of 2022, when I told everybody after the first week of training camp that Daniel Jones wasn't playing well enough, and if he didn't start getting better, Tyrod Taylor legitimately could be coming for his job because he looked so good. I got trolled. I got smashed. I got blitzed. I was the guy with an agenda. What is he talking about? He hates the Giants. He hates Daniel Jones. Oh, yeah? So you get to see Tyrod Taylor a year and a half later for four quarters, score nine points, and now everybody else feels the same way, huh? That's funny. So the reason I said that in 2022 was not because I didn't like Daniel Jones. It wasn't because I didn't believe in Daniel Jones. It was because his play on the field early in practice and camp, whatever, it wasn't good enough. And it was a Giants regime that hadn't picked up his fifth-year option, and that was most likely looking at playing out the string with Daniel and then looking at drafting a quarterback and not re-signing Daniel Jones. Of course, everything that happened after that was a pleasant surprise. Daniel Jones and the Giants going to the playoff. Daniel Jones having a, an incredible game in Minnesota when they beat the Vikings in the playoffs and getting that new free agent contract. But the fact of the matter is the organization saw what I saw in the summer of 2022, they saw a situation where they had put money into their backup and they saw Daniel Jones struggling at first to kind of get a hang of what he was trying to build. And fortunately he blossomed. He made big plays. 
Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, Daniel Jones. That was a, a good marriage in 2022, and it certainly resulted in optimism for this season, for this 2023 season. Now, I and others would easily argue that, you know, the Giants, they struggle to be patient. They struggle to look at one slightly positive year and say, hey, this is still a long-term process, right? I think Joe Shane's tried to do that. But I think once you end up trading for Darren Waller, investing money in veterans all over your defense and paying out big contracts all over your roster, uh, you know, and even, you know, bringing Saquon Barkley back, Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, this was a team that while young players were playing on it, was built to win. And so certainly this team is a disappointment, a colossal, a colossal disappointment so far. But wow, I have never seen the fan base turn on a player like this. Tyrod Taylor, I'm a huge fan. He's calm, he's poised, he's composed. I get why fans watched that game and said, wait a second, why isn't this guy playing? Again, that was my reaction initially in 2022, in August, about a, you know, almost a year and a half ago. But the Giants scored nine points in this game. Yes, they were down at the one twice and they got no points in, on either of those drives. So you could easily say, well, yeah, it was nine points, but really the way that we moved the ball, the way the offensive line played, the way that Tyrod Taylor got the ball out quickly, it could have easily been 23 points, which for the Giants, the way they're playing offensively right now, that's like scoring 50. And I'm not, listen, I'm not attacking the fans for thinking that Tyrod looked better in this Buffalo game. He did. You know, I'm not saying that Tyrod did look good in this game outside of obviously there were a couple missed throws. There was the gap at the end of the first half, which is on him and Brian Dable. But Daniel Jones, you just paid this guy $40 million a year or 37 and a half over three to be your franchise quarterback. He's younger. He's growing. He's supposed to be continuing to ascend and develop. And even though he has struggled, I believe the genesis of his struggles this season is the offensive line, a line and a personnel group that I was banging the table all offseason, all summer, all camp, all early season was not good enough. And here it is. And the Giants have put Daniel Jones in position to fail. Frankly, you know, everybody talks about the Giants shouldn't have resigned Daniel Jones. It's fair to wonder whether he should have resigned with them based on how this has gone. But I am just jarred and shocked at how consistently I see on social media the opinion that after one game with nine points and Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback, Giants fans are basically just ready to bag Daniel Jones, bag his career, bag watching him play quarterback for them, and they want to move on. Now, is this impacted by the fact that Brian Dable, you know, chewed out and stared down and threw a tablet you know, near Daniel Jones when he threw that killer interception against the Seahawks? Does the fan base see the way that the coach treats their franchise quarterback and thinks, wow, look, he's fed up with them. I am too. Maybe there's something to that. Is the organization going to step behind Daniel Jones and stand up for him and say it's not just him? Is John Mara, is Steve Tisch, is ownership going to talk? I, I spent my Tuesday, which should have been my off day, going to the city to the NFL owners meetings at a beautiful hotel, the Intercontinental Barclay in Midtown in Manhattan, um, trying to see if Steve Tisch or John Mara would comment. Neither would. And so we continue to play this out. 
We continue to rely on nothing updates from the head coach on injuries. And um, we continue to wonder how this is going to go because I'll say this sitting here and now I think Tyrod Taylor is the starter this week against Washington. And I think Daniel Jones continuing to feel symptoms. There's no way he gets cleared for contact when that's still happening. And the symptoms he described to NBC reporter, Melissa Stark going into his shoulder. Clearly there's something nerve related there and you can't screw with that when it comes to somebody's neck. We still don't know the full truth about everything that went down in 2021. Daniel Jones having that procedure that he claimed was not related to his neck injury that year, but who knows what it was. He never said what it was. Um, so I just wanted to say that to, to Giants fans. I'm, uh, you know, I think as a reporter and as somebody in the public eye, who's really always trying to bring you the full scope of what I see and hear and observe and understand and know, you take a lot of heat for saying things that people don't want to hear. And a lot of times that's related to criticism of the coach, the quarterback, the general manager, the ownership, the franchise, whatever it is. But it's just amazing to me that after all the people coming after me and anybody else who has pointed out holes in Daniel's game or said at one point he has to play better and we're supposed to be the negative ones, we're supposed to be the ones who turn against the Giants, who want the Giants to lose, who have an agenda against the Giants. Well, hold on a second. The Giants just scored nine points in a game without Daniel Jones, and the fan base is bailing on him, bailing on him. Now, is the draft a factor? Is the draft position a factor? Is next year's draft class a factor? I understand all that. And there's we're definitely talking about these things with Joe Shane going on the road, you know, seeing Caleb Williams, seeing J.J. McCarthy. I'm sure he'll end up seeing Drake May if he hasn't already. Um, but they've invested a lot in Daniel Jones. They can't get out of his contract next year. Uh, you know, if they drafted a quarterback, Daniel Jones is still on the roster, barring you're getting something really meaningful for him in a trade. But if he's hurt, often hurt, the team doesn't show a lot of uh, belief in him. And look at the cost he has compared to how he's played this year and how the Giants offense has gone. They're the lowest scoring team in the league. What are you getting for that quarterback? And now he's on your roster. So now you have two quarterbacks and what he's just keep, he's just, he's just sitting there taking up huge cap space, dead space. Bottom line is this either believe in Daniel Jones or don't either believe in the team or don't, you know, the, I think, or recognize this, if you don't believe, or if you do, if you are somebody who's out on Daniel Jones that quickly, maybe think twice next time before you attack or come after a reporter. And this goes for fans. This goes for people in organizations. This goes for anybody who thinks that there's agendas when you point out something critical. Because the fact of the matter is reacting to positive, negative play, trying to gain context on these things. All that's important to bring the full picture to the fans and the full picture of what's going on in the most uh, popular professional league in this country. It's a blast to cover it. It's a privilege. And um, I would say this, if and when Daniel Jones returns, he's the, he's your quarterback and not standing behind him is not standing behind the team when he plays. Thanks for joining me. This has been Talking Ball. Um, we're sponsored by Bet Online and also by Estate 98 Coffee. It's an Essentia Day Cafe. 
uh, from El Salvador dating back to 1798. It is, it takes three seconds to make. I put it right in a glass, a tablespoon in a glass, throw some ice, stir it, or I heat it up, you know, throw it in a glass with water, put it in the microwave for two minutes, heat it up. It's hot coffee. I'm drinking it right now. I tell you, I drink it when I'm doing the podcast and I'm drinking it right now. Go get it. It's at the state 98 coffee on Instagram. I believe Estate 98 coffee. If you Google it, they have a website by that name as well. This has been the talking ball podcast. If you don't already subscribe rate and review on YouTube, Apple, wherever you get it. And if you don't already subscribe to the YouTube page at PL on NFL, we do live Q and A's midweek and also after each giants game where we download on what's happening. You can purchase super chats and super stickers to have your comments elevated to the top. And frankly, I'm not just saying this because it's my page and it's me doing it, but we really are building something. It really has turned into a community. And I think you fans can interact yourselves and get together and talk about how much people are getting out of that as far as insight. And really, I'm getting a lot out of it too when we talk about the questions that are being asked and raised and uh, what people are bringing to me. So I appreciate everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We will talk to you soon on Talking Ball. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.